Um, Father, I want to thank you um, for this morning. And God, I, I just am, I don't know, different season for me in a good way. And I just found myself really, really enjoying singing carols and worshiping this morning. And, and just there was just a sense of reminding us of how good you are. Amen. So as we celebrate Christmas, as we celebrate your birth, Jesus, I pray that either every one of us would have kind of that, that sense of starting line, like a freshness about our remembrance, our discovery of you. And God, as we look at the, the Holy One of Israel, that's, that's what we're going to talk about briefly this morning. I just pray that you give us insight, that you'd bless us and encourage our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, as many of you know, if you're around our church, we've been studying through the book of Revelation. And I said, I'm just not going to pause, but needless to say, Christmas... Revelation doesn't have a lot of Christmas in it, if you guys aren't aware. Revelation is the end, not the beginning. Christmas is what? It's the beginning. Okay, help me, church. Christmas is what? It's the beginning, where Revelation is the end. But there is a story in Revelation in chapter 4 that just has this, this one phrase in it that I think is really fascinating that, that does tie to Jesus' birth. And, you know, when you look at Revelation chapter 4, it is a picture of heaven. And we're going to talk about this more in the coming weeks. So I'd encourage you, if you're interested in, you know, Revelation, end times events, what does it look like? That is where we're going. So the, the last several weeks, we've been talking about the churches. Moving forward, it's going to be all the end. It's the end. So theoretically, if you're a pre-trib rapture person, you're not here for it. If you're other, well, you're going to see some of it. But next week, amen? So when you're looking at this passage, though, in Revelation 4, it's John gets caught up into heaven. He's in the spirit is what it says. And it says like there's an open door. It says God's voice thunders like a trumpet. And so there's just a lot of really supernatural stuff. He's standing before the throne of God. I don't know if you guys ever thought about that, but stand before the throne of God. In Hebrews, it actually says we're welcomed there. He sees Jesus sitting on that throne, and there's jasper and sardis and emeralds and rainbows and flashes of lightning and peals of thunder. It is a crazy supernatural event that John is experiencing. And then there's seven burning lamps, and we've already studied. We know that those are the churches. And it says there's the seven spirits of God, which is a complete expression of the Spirit of God. And then in verse 8, he says this. There's four living creatures each one of them having six wings, and they're full of eyes around and within. And in day and night, they did not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, the Almighty, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. This is Jesus. That's who they're speaking of. So when I look at this, I'm like, four living creatures with faces? Lion, man, eagle, ox. I, I mean, it's wild. This is a wild story. And if you want to know about it, you've got to come next week. Mm. No, okay. Let's say, yeah, set you all up. You've got to come next week. It ties into Ezekiel, but we'll do all of that. We know that these are angelic hosts, and we know that angels are very tied into the Christmas story. We're going to see that in just a second. And, and this person's got, this angelic being's got, it's full of eyes around and within. You know, I, I, that's a wild picture. Like, whatever this thing is, there's eyeballs everywhere. And there's pictures of that that we'll talk about again next week. But listen, some of you guys thought this. Man, my mom's got eyes in the back of her head. Huh? Because your mom's an angel. No, I'm playing with y'all. Seriously. You know, but it's just a very, very wild story. These, these angels are around the throne, and they keep doing this over and over and over. 
holy, holy, holy. Like, there's so much majesty around the throne of God that their response is over and over to declare that he's altogether separate, he's set apart, he's worthy, he's worthy of praise. Like the best explanation, I've heard of this, and maybe you've heard this before, but I think it's a great explanation. The angels are surrounding the throne, and as they're surrounding, they're looking, they're going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Because every single time they glance at God, they're seeing a new representation of his majesty. And so there's constant worship because he's just that awesome. That is actually my favorite interpretation. Lots of people who think lots of things about why they were doing it. Mine is that they just keep discovering that God is so beautiful and majestic and holy. He's holy and entirely other. See, God is set apart because God has attributes. Somebody say attributes. You're like, he's still going to teach us this morning. Only a little bit. Only a little. God's got attributes. What makes him God? First thing is this, that he's eternal. He's literally, it's it's not even that he's without a beginning or end. It's literally that he's he's timeless. God is timeless. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's everywhere all of the time. He's omnipresent. So when we're talking about holy, 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 the angels are aware of these attributes of God. And they're watching his majesty. And they're just thinking, it's just so amazing. Now he's everywhere. He's also all-knowing. I don't know if you guys ever thought about this. Like, God knows your thoughts before you think them. Like, this, that's always fascinated me. Like, why let me think a thought if you know what I'm going to think before I think it? Like, that's... But he's so, like, he loves us so much and wants us to be so independent to discover him that he gives us a will that he even knows what we're going to think before we think it and let it... Yet he gives us the privilege to think it. I just think that's marvelous. I don't know. That's a lot of thinking, isn't it? So, so God has several important things around this idea of holy. First, God is holy. Now, this is, again, a little bit of teaching, and then we're going to talk about the Christmas story, and we'll go home. This is a, an ontological discussion. You're like, oh, whoa, man, Pastor, you're getting all technical on me. Just the, the means being. God is. That's all that that means. So sometimes we hear big words, and we get afraid of them. But when you talk about holy, in all of the universe, only God is initially designed, defined as holy. Now, that we understand, and I'm going to talk to you about this in a second, it translates further than that. But initially, God is holy. He's holy other. It's actually his nature that his, his being is separate from anything else. So when we look at people, we think holy. No, because I know what they do, and I see their attitudes and their actions and their behaviors. And I would never say of a person that they're holy. I would maybe say that of God, like the angels did. But do you know that even God says that we're holy? That we're actually set apart, which is the second thing is, you know, that, that we understand that as believers, we're called to be holy today. Now, how do people know our holiness? Just one word, lifestyle. They watch you. And they look, do you align with Jesus at all? Is there, or is there, are his attributes living within you and your lifestyle is different because of that? We also know that the church is called holy. So we're, as a, as a church, as a spiritual community, we're supposed to be light to other people. So when people watch us and what we do, whether it's loving on, on orphans at Olive Crest or, or loving on, on village people in Thailand or Guatemala or helping orphans down in Mexico, that people look at us and they say, is this what Jesus would do? Because Jesus said to us, you should be the light of the world. So when we do those things, people look at our life and they go, there's something that makes them different. You know, before I was a pastor, I worked in the business world. And, and I ran food service restaurants, Claim Jumper and a couple other larger companies, really fun. 
And I would oftentimes try not to tell people I was a Christian. Now, part of that was self-preserving. I didn't want anyone to judge me. The other part of it was I just wanted to know, could they watch my life and know that I was different? And the number one compliment I would ever get was when people would say something like this. They'd find out I was a Christian. They'd say, man, I knew there was something different about you. That's the greatest compliment anybody could ever give you, is if they know your faith because of how you live and behave versus what you say. Now, you should say it too, amen? Go into all the world and preach, that's saying something. But I, I love what Augustine said. He said, you know, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. So our lifestyle should be holy, set apart to God. So we are holy because of who God is. It's, it's his beingness, if you will, that lives in us. And it's really amazing, particularly when we surrender to it. We're, we're holy because he, he surrenders all of that to us when we accept him as Lord and Savior. And that's such a powerful, whatever, embracing. Or, so, so what does this have to do with Christmas, Pastor? I'm going to make a leap right now. It does, though. What does this have to do with Christmas? I don't know if you guys ever really think it like, how many of you guys remember the old movies? Like my dad owned theaters when I was a kid. So we, he was an independent, um, what do you call those, Cinema, cinematographer? No, he didn't shoot. He owned them. He ran them. So like I remember I snuck in and watched Jaws. That was kind of, I watched The Legend of Boggy Creek, scared the heck out of me as a Bigfoot movie. But, but I remember that the coolest thing was at the end of every mo movie, in the old school days, what would pop up on the screen? credits, but it would start with the, and it was always cursive and script and very beautiful. And then now, now if you go, if you understand this, that every end has to have a what? A beginning. And then you go to the beginning and you get MGM and then the, the lion would stick its head out and he'd roar, you know, and I love that. Well, when you look at this end in Revelation, you have to understand that it started somewhere with the beginning. So I want to talk to you about the beginning for just a second. So when you consider like the birth of Jesus, we have to understand at the beginning, beginning, Adam and Eve sinned. And man was stuck under a curse because of that sin. I think we all understand this if we've been around church for any period of time. We understand that there was an incident that happened in creation where Adam and Eve fell and the whole, whole of mankind was marred by sin. And God said, I don't want them to live underneath that curse forever. So he, he has a plan to send Jesus to redeem us. That would be the beginning of the new beginnings, if you will. So Adam and Eve sin, man is stuck in sin, God is going to set us free. Jesus, as the last Adam, comes to break the power of that curse. And in Luke's gospel, now in chapter 1, verse 26, we're going to read a few verses and talk about them. I'm going to pray for you and we'll be done for the day. But in Luke's gospel, we have the beginning. Verse 26, it says, Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. And, and you can just keep that up. I'm going to keep pausing as I'm going and just saying little things so that you understand. All of this was prophesied, that the Messiah would come from the region of Galilee, that he would come from Nazareth. And all of these things are like, can anything good come from Nazareth? Like there's, there's sayings all throughout the scriptures foretelling that the Messiah is going to come. Verse 27, he says, to a virgin, by the way, that's prophesied, Isaiah 9, engaged to a man whose name is Joseph. And, and he's the descendant of David. By the way, the Messiah is going to come through the Davidic lineage. So we know this is prophesied multiple times. And the virgin's name will be Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. 
the Lord is with you. You know, anytime I read this, I always think like, I know that this is about the birth of Jesus, but do you know that God says that over every single one of us? Like you're favored. Like I say it this way to you guys, I'm God's favorite. And, and then I finish it by saying this, and God has a whole bunch of what? Favorites. Everybody's his favorite. Like, like I, I love in the shack, I don't know if you remember this, but in the shack, he's, which one's your favorite? And God's response was, I'm fond of all of my children. I think that's how God thinks about us. He has favor on all of us and for all of us. But Mary is like, what is this? What kind of salutation is this? And what's going on? So let's jump down now to verse 29. And it says, it says but she was perplexed. It means that she literally was agitated inside. You ever had anything happen to you and inwardly you're boiling? You can't figure it out. You can't sort it out. And maybe it's not even anger. Maybe, maybe it's uncertainty. Maybe it's confusion. Maybe it's anxiety. That's what she's experiencing. She's perplexed at this statement. And she kept pondering, what kind of salutation is this? Like, I'm just a little girl chilling and, and angels are showing up. And he's telling me I'm going to be the, the birth mother of the Messiah. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. Like, I guess what I want you to kind of dial into, like, maybe think of it like this. Maybe a little bit of a modern analogy, huh? So imagine you're Mary. If you're a guy, just put on your girl mode for a second, okay? So imagine you're Mary. You're Mary. And you're 15-ish. That's about her age. So imagine you're Mary, you're 15, you're engaged to Joseph. Joseph's a stud. He's a carpenter. He's got big muscles. Just saying. I'm making it up, but I think Joseph was a studly dude. I'm just thinking. You know, at the very least, he was strong. So you're, you know, modern, though. She gets up in the morning, and she's kind of chilling. She grabs her phone. She pops open Instagram. She's like, oh, wonder what's going on. And added, like, like she's like, oh, so-and-so went on a date. Ooh, they broke up. Look at it. She's doing that on Instagram. She's like, like this picture. Oh, somebody's having a party. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, an angel comes. I mean, like, sometimes we make this so, like, got to think like this. Her everyday life is happening. And out of nowhere, somebody say nowhere. God says, guess what? Listen, here's the thing I'm trying to make a point with you. Many of you think life is mundane. It's just life. Going to live, eat, breathe, die, whatever. And God is saying, if you'll stop and recognize, I'll show up. Now, could Mary have ignored all this? Could she have said, yeah, you're going to see at the end. I'm going to close and you'll see at the end. There's a response from her that's quite powerful. But could she just have gone about life? What if she would have went like, ooh, that's freaky. I got to go find my mom and my daddy so that I'm not alone because that's scary. Anybody ever had an angel show up in their bedroom? No, it's not, not all that common. And did they ever show up and tell you, hey, guess what? You're going to have a baby. Yeah, you're going to have a baby. And he's going to save the world. You're on Instagram going, should I post it? No. I'm, I'm. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty wild. If you think of it like that, it's an everyday thing that's happening to her, but it's quite, listen, it's quite supernatural. And I want to encourage you that most often, God shows up in the everyday with something that is very supernatural. In other words, listen, if you, I, I love this. If you can figure it out on your own doing, there's a high likelihood it's not God. It'll take faith. Like Mary had to comply with all of this message, you know, and, and she had to go along with what the angel is telling her. In verse 31, it continues, it says, And behold, you're going to conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. 
Incidentally, Jehovah is salvation. That's literally what Jesus means. So when people come to me and they say, how do you know if Jesus is God? Well, how about his name? How about just, let's just start with his name. Jehovah is, is salvation. Why would you name the kids? It was a popular name. Lots of people were named Jesus. Yeah, but a lot of people didn't come from a virgin, didn't have angels show up. They didn't have all of the supernatural that was going around. You get what I'm saying? His name itself demonstrates that he's salvation. In verse 32, it says, he'll be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. Again, they knew he was coming from the, the Davidic lineage. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. Incidentally, for those of you who don't know your Bibles that well, Jacob is Israel. His name, he came out Jacob, and God changed his name and changed his nature. He becomes the father of the nation Israel. That is him. So he, he, this is God saying, listen, he's going to reign over the house of Jacob. He's going to reign over Israel is what he's saying. And his kingdom will have no end. So look at the titles, the son of the most high, he's begotten of the father. These are all demonstrations of who Jesus is. This set apart guy, this, this holy guy, if you will. The throne of his father, David, the beloved king of Israel, the house of Jacob. This is literally Israel and the kingdom will be everlasting. So quick question for you. Anybody ever seen a kingdom that's everlasting, that's earthly? No, there are lots of kingdoms that have come and gone. In fact, so many kingdoms have come and gone. I don't know if you guys ever thought, so many kingdoms have come and gone that they actually study the inception, the rise, and the fall of kingdoms. By, by the way, most historians would say America's on the decline, just for the record, but this isn't the end where this is Christmas. I'll be nice today. So we'll talk about the good stuff, but you're saved, so that's a good thing, amen? So, so verse 34 says, Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. How? How? The, the response is always this. Anything God is doing will be impossible. There'll be parts of it that you can't just do and figure out. There'll be parts that will require you to walk in faith. There'll be parts that'll be like, I don't know the Bible well enough to teach the kids. Well, as we saw earlier, kids are pretty cute. You don't have to do a lot. God is just saying, listen, can you tell them that God loves them? Can you help them to read a Bible verse? Teach them how to pray, maybe? Like, the truth is, if we, if we got outside of ourselves, all of us are capable of doing what I'm talking about. Whether it's loving a kid, serving a homeless person, buying a gift for an orphan, all of us are capable of that. Sometimes it's just the decision to step outside of ourselves and do what God is asking us to do. Now, the bigger things, I'm not going to lie to you, impossible is part of the equation. Anything I've ever stepped out to do that was larger came with a lot of fear, a lot of prayer, and a lot of trust. I want to encourage you. Some of you are on the, the doorstep of big steps in your life, and it's going to take faith. There'll be parts of it that you'll say, this is what will come out of your mouth. I don't know how this can happen. You'll be just like Mary. I don't really get this because I'm a virgin. Now, don't miss this. If we keep studying this, we don't have time to do that. Part of it is going to be, and all of society is going to make me an outcast if I'm pregnant before I'm So get, like, you got to realize what she's saying yes to. She's saying yes to much larger than just, I'm going to be the Messiah. I'm going to, I'm going to be ridiculed. In fact, the Pharisees later in Jesus' life says, you know, you're, you're immoral. You were born out of wedlock. They said it in language that didn't sound like they were calling him a bad word, but they were. 
See, you've got to understand that there was all sorts of stigma around this, and she still said yes. In verse 35, it says, The angel answered her and said, Listen, Mary, if you're wondering how it's going to happen, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. By the way, if, for those of you who are stepping into something beyond you, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Anything you do for God, the Holy Spirit will what? He'll come upon you. That wasn't very convincing. Am I putting you guys to sleep? Anything you're going to do for God, the Holy Spirit will? It's going to come upon you. Listen, if he doesn't, you're going to struggle to do it. You'll be doing it in yourself, your own, your own strength, your own will. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you like an umbrella over you to protect you. And for this reason, the Holy Child, what is he? Oh, how come not holy, holy, holy? Because it's only talking to one person of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. In Revelation, it was the Trinity, the Godhead. But here, they're just talking about the Son of God. And he's saying, listen, the holy child, the one who is sacred, set apart, ordained by God, he's going to be conceived, and he shall be called the Son of God. See, the child, he's capable of reversing sin. He's capable of solving the, the issue of human nature. So, so I, I want to talk to you, like, honestly right now. Do we struggle with our nature? I mean, I, I'll tell you what, I've been a believer for a lot of years. Like January, just, just in like a week and a half, two weeks, it'll be 36 years I've been walking with Jesus. That's a long time, isn't it? I've been walking with him longer than I haven't. I did 22 years, and now you guys just figured out old. I have 58. Um, birthday's January 7th. I do take a Zell. No, I'm, I'm, playing, I'm, totally, I'm totally kidding. I really am kidding, but it's funny. Um, but in all of that time, the thing that I always watch rumble around in me as a guy who knows the word and knows Jesus is uncertainty, insecurity, fear. Listen, I don't, this is what I'm saying to you. If you were in that supernatural a setting and God was calling you out like he's calling Mary out, I think your response would be equally freaked out. I think it'd be equally freaked out. How do I know that? Because sometimes God asks us to do little teeny things and we get freaked out. This is not little, nor is it teeny. This is gigantic. This is going to change the world. Imagine that. God says, I want you to change the world. Now, incidentally, you know that God says to every one of us, I want you to what? I want you to change the world. Uh, listen, a lot of times we think, does that mean I'm going to be in limelight? Does that I don't know what it's going to mean for you. I do know this, that whatever God has given you, change the world, the place of your influence. So will you change the whole globe? Maybe. That'd be pretty awesome. I'd love to be able to get to heaven and reap some reward from your fruit. That would be good for me. Somebody say, man, we all would want like, yeah, I watched him come up. I watched Josh come up as a drummer, and now he's like on big stage. That would be awesome. Josh, like, pastor, you're scaring me. Thus saith the Lord. No, I'm playing with you. But, but I'm just saying, if you, if you run the picture out broader than yourself, God has talked to, talk to all of us about influencing our immediate world, the people that we touch. But what if it's broader than that? What if he's saying it's going to take faith? What if your response is, but this is impossible? And God says, I know. The Holy Spirit will be upon you. I'll overshadow you. I'll cover you. I just want you to say yes. See, that, that's Christmas. Christmas is a message of yes. You got a holy God in Revelation. You got a holy son of God showing up here now in Luke. And what we see is all of the world is getting changed by their agreement with what God is doing. Nothing is impossible for God. 
You know, and Christmas is a season of great supernatural possibility. Listen, listen, church, take this home. Please take this home. I think this is worth taking home. If you're trying to figure out your spirituality in your natural senses, you will never walk very deeply with God. Now, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to say it takes faith. You've got to believe beyond yourself. You've got to trust when it doesn't make sense. You've got to agree with what God is saying to do, even when you don't want to do it. That is part of being a believer. If you want supernatural, you got to say yes when everything about you wants to say no, when naturally you can't figure out the way. I've had several seasons like that in my life, and I've had times where I said no to God and I missed the blessing. And I've had times where I've said yes, and I've reaped the reward. I'm just encouraging you, say yes. You'd be surprised what God will do through your life if you just say yes. See, Christmas, it's full of mystery. How do virgins become pregnant? Angels shun like, I think it would be awesome, so awesome, if while I'm preaching, an angel just popped up and we're all like, oh, that would be. Uh, but we don't get to experience a lot of supernatural moments like that. Most of them are inward, that sense of desire, passion, where God is saying, I've called you to, and we know it, and we've got to respond with a yes. And it's scary, and it feels, but it's full of majesty, mystery, it's full of power. It's full of the impossible. You know, so if you're here this morning, and, and yes, I told you guys I was going to stay on time, and I'm doing it. Look at that. It might only be once this year, but I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Listen, you can be new, old. You can be a Christian right now as we speak. You can be an unbeliever. You can be online watching and join us by by the stream that we send out. You can catch it during the week. And maybe you're not even listening to me as I'm speaking, but you're going to catch it on Wednesday. But I do know this, that if we will agree with what God is doing, that we walk into something that's fresh and new. Now, listen, I, again, I just said 36 years, 36 years. Some of you in the room have been a Christian much, much longer than I have. Some of you are much newer. And what I do know about God is that if you'll say yes to him, he'll keep giving you responses to the yeses. He'll keep opening doors and giving opportunities. What was so fascinating about Mary is when she's done, she says, let it be unto your servant as you wish. Man, could you imagine being that agreeable with God? Like God says, hey, give this. Sure, no problem. Serve here. Sure, no. Hey, go to school. Yeah, I'll do that. Whatever God says, you just respond with a, a yes. That's what I'm encouraging. You'd be surprised what God will do through us. This, this past day preaching, to taking care of your family, your kids, putting Christianity, spirituality in your home. Take care of that stuff. Because those are the things that build the other potential yeses. A lot of times I, want, I see people want to conquer the world, but they don't have simple things in line. Get the simple things in line. Priorities. God is always first. Somebody say amen. God is always first. Your family is always second. Somebody went, it's not my job. No, it's not your job. It's your family. What about my ministry? Does that? No, no. It's your family. And trust me, as a guy in full-time ministry and talking to a few other people in full-time, this is not an easy task because the church will pull at you as much as your family does. Priorities, though. God first. Your family second. Then it's the rest of the stuff. Your, your work and, and your friends and all of the other stuff comes after that. But you've got to priority. You've got to steward the stuff that God said, take care of it. Does this make sense, church? See, Mary could have said no. I don't know if it would, like, sometimes we don't think like that. 
Like she could have just backed out. Yeah, God would have found another way, but God is all-knowing, so he knew she'd say yes. That's kind of cool, right? But still, she had to agree. She had to agree with what he was up to. So listen, in this Christmas season, new faith, old faith, young, old, long time in the Lord, brand new, still considering it, not totally convinced, this is what I would say. When Jesus was born, he brought favor to all of us, gave possibility to all of us. He gave an avenue to all of us. He didn't care if you were older, young, rich, or poor. He didn't care. He didn't care if you were a male or a female. He didn't care. He said, here's grace. Now it's yours to take. What will you do with it? So listen, you're going to go to your families. And some of you might need prayer because you're going to go to your families. I'm just saying. We all got families. No, I, but, but in all seriousness, you're going to go. And for some of you, you're going to try to be light in what is very likely darkness. And you're going to try to love. And, and you got history with them. And sometimes the history is hard to work through. But, but listen, I want to encourage you, just go with the possibility that God might use you to speak courage and hope. God might use you to say a kind word or maybe to say nothing for the first time ever. Some of you talk too much. I'm just saying. I ain't telling on you. Jesus telling on you. I'm just, I want you to go. I want you to go and be a blessing. I want you to receive and love and laugh with and, and share the good news. And maybe if you're bold enough, get your cute little kids to read a Bible verse. Because I don't care if you got an atheist in your household. Kids are cute. Like get smart is what I'm trying to say to you. Live it out. New, old, make this season a season of discovering that God is still in the business of impossible. So listen, as we go today, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those who are going to go to family stuff that won't be so easy. And I also just want to pray generally that this Christmas season would be full of mystery, like freshness, new beginnings. Like in America, we're so accustomed to the marketing of Christmas that it's like... Watch, watch. I'll do this, and I promise I'll pray after I say this. I promise. Before God, I promise. Do you guys remember last January? Did you blink your eyes, and it's December? You know what? You're going to blink your eyes again, and it's going to be December 2024. Don't miss the opportunities is all I'm saying. Okay, I'm done preaching at you. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, I want to just come together as a church body, and um, first off, God... We want to say, Jesus, happy birthday. Because it's so easy to get this season about things that it's not really about. And then once we get that in order, that Jesus, happy birthday, I pray over our families. And I pray especially for those who are going to go into family situations that might be tough. I pray that you'd give them a measure of grace and discernment and understanding that when they need to speak, that they would speak. And when they need to be quiet, they'd be quiet. I pray that you'd give them like insight and clever ways to just share truth with family members. For those who are going to go into family units that are full of faith, I pray that they would celebrate your goodness, that we would not miss this season of, of God being holy, of God being completely set, up, set apart and separate, and that being a, a place of new beginnings for each one of us. So God, I pray as we go that we would go just simply reminded that Jesus, you came born to a virgin in a manger a little over 2,000 years ago to save men from their sins. And that's each and every one of us. So I pray that we would remember that message, the gospel that God came to save men.
We just thank you for this season. As we go today, I pray that we would go filled, fun, full, looking forward to the opportunities we're going to have and that we would enjoy not only celebrating you, but our, our families, the gifts we may receive, everything about it. We just want to say thank you for this season. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, well, God bless you. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Hey, somebody say Merry Christmas back in my hand. Okay. Merry Christmas to you all online. Merry Christmas.